Shall we now turn to uh, the Gospel of Mark once again? The Gospel of Mark, uh, which you'll find on page uh, 1004. Uh, but we are going to read verses 35 and 36. 35 and 36. So, Gospel according to Mark, chapter 5, beginning with verse 35. While he, that is Jesus, yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe, only believe. And the title this morning is Zyrus's Bold Faith in Christ Jesus. Zyrus's Bold Faith in Christ Jesus. The Lord Jesus Christ is back on the Sea of Galilee. On one side of the sea, he cast out legions of devil from a man. They all bowed to him. His holy and righteous presence tormented them. The Lord Jesus Christ snatched the man back to himself from Satan. Jesus plundered Satan and took what rightfully belonged to him. Looking at what the Lord Jesus Christ did to this man possessed by the evil spirits gives us much security and hope, is it not? Not only to us, who are already saved, but it gives tremendous hope even to the worst of sinners cut off from God. It gives the sinners of this world the assurance that Jesus the Savior came for them, to tame them, to renew them, to transform them, and make them into a new creation. That is what we have experienced, those who have come out of darkness into his marvelous light. He, he gives us the tremendous security that no power on earth or in heaven can snatch us from him. Let Satan put doubts in our minds. Let our own feelings shoot or shout at us and say we are not saved by faith we cling to the all-powerful and faithful Lord. Well we shall see as we go into this fascinating narrative of the dead girl brought to life how the Lord encourages us saying do not be afraid only believe. Keep believing. Keep your faith alive. 
Keep your eyes on the Lord and on the Lord alone who has revealed to you that he is your savior, that he is your creator and the deliverer and the almighty God. So Jesus is back on the sea, but this time on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And the Lord Jesus Christ used this transport available for him in those days. And there on the other side, multitude gathered, waiting for him. No matter from which part of the continent, dear friends, you are, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone, all of us, needs Jesus. All people must come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. So Jesus was by the sea. I cannot help but talk of what I see here. Jesus is constantly by the sea. The Sea of Galilee must have been a very busy place. Fishing trade, people transporting their agricultural products, farm products, and other wares from one part of the sea, because this sea is a large sea, a large lake, uh, Tiberius and, and some other parts of the uh, part of Israel. And so they move from one part to the other, taking their wares and uh, agricultural product and so on. No matter from where these people came, Jesus took the opportunity to stand in the midst of the people and proclaim the gospel. The gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ even today stands in the busy crowded place saying, either choose me or choose the world. Either choose that which gives you worldly pleasures or choose the things that are heavenly, spiritual. Either have faith in me or have faith in the glamour and riches of the world. It is here in the midst of the aspiration and desires and hopes of becoming rich and famous and powerful and knowledgeable that the Lord Jesus Christ stood in opposition and beckoned the world to follow him. Jesus preached saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now while the Lord Jesus is by the sea, a man came to Jesus. And this man was one of the rulers of the synagogue. And his name was Zyrus. And being a ruler of the synagogue, he was educated, definitely. Definitely he was well-versed in the scriptures. He was religious, a respected man in his community. And he was a man of considerable authority. Zyrus came to see Jesus. And when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, we are told in verse that he fell at his feet. He fell at his feet. 
Now, earlier in this chapter, we saw the evil spirits falling at the feet of Jesus. Now, we have this religious leader, educated, and one who is well-respected in the community, coming and falling at the feet of Jesus. In other words, they all worshipped the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 22 tells us, when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. In other words, Zyrus understood the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps he heard Jesus preaching and saw his miracles. Zyrus recognized Jesus and he fell at his feet. In other words, Zyrus worshipped Jesus. Dear friends, you have heard and know about Jesus, but have you encountered Jesus personally? Have you fallen at his feet personally? The term worship both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament mean to bow down, to prostrate. And the idea of worship, therefore, is to revere a person in mind and with your body and with your heart. And such worship comes from the feeling of awe, of veneration, of adoration, of obedience and service. And this is the ultimate ceremonial and religious service of God. It means total surrender of oneself before whom you bow down. We must constantly have this in mind when we come to worship the Lord both in public and during our private devotion. You have seen, dear friends, some churches, you go and there's no difference between what they do at dance floor in the world and what they do in the church. There is no reverence. There is no fear of the Lord. There is no holiness and righteousness but to do what we want to do, just as what we do out into the world, the world is then brought up and you are entertained. But this is not the meaning of worship, dear friends. When you worship the Lord, you come before the Lord with awe and reverence, with adoration to obey the Lord. Is that how you go before the King? No, dear friends. You go with respect, isn't it? You go with respect. So, we must constantly have this in mind when we come to worship the Lord, both in public and during our private devotion. You know, the Hindus, at least in Goa, where I come from, when they want to go to the temple, they say, I'm going to fall at God's feet. I'm going to fall at God's feet. Is that not a beautiful expression of worship? It is here in the Bible. It is written in the heart of man 
what you must do when you go before the Almighty God. Almighty God, all righteous God, all holy God. Now, Zairus, the ruler of synagogue, lived according to his religious customs and religious traditions. He was a religious teacher, a theologian. Most of the religious leaders we saw, we see in the scriptures, hated Jesus. They could not understand Jesus and they could not put their faith in the Son of God. They were not ready to repent of their sins. They were self-righteous and proud. They believed that they were already on their way to heaven. But Zairus comes and falls at Jesus' feet. Could it be that Zairus did it because he was desperate? His daughter was ill and almost dying. Verse 23, he says, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. At the point of that, he could not bear that uh, the life of his daughter was going. He wanted his daughter to live. But how could he go to this man called Jesus? The religious leaders were plotting his death. In chapter 3 of Mark and verse 6, the Bible tells us, And the Pharisees went forth and straight a way to counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. So they were planning to destroy Jesus. Moreover, how could Cyrus betray his own religious traditions and customs? He was born and brought up in this religion. He got his bread and butter by serving this religion. It was his profession. His children had grown up in it and there was, no, uh, there was so much good in it. And they were proud about this, their religion. They believed in the one true God. The word of God was handed down to them. And now suddenly this man from Nazareth appears and he seems to be pulling down every tradition that they had built up for thousands of years. For thousands of years. The truth was they had cast away God's commands. They had cast away God's command and invented their own traditions. Their man-made traditions. Nevertheless, what Jesus of Nazareth was saying was absolutely true. The miracles he performed, only God could do them. The knowledge he possessed was first-hand and all in accordance with the scriptures. He claimed to be equal with God. What he said he performed. Jesus was not a trickster. He was not a fraud. None could trick him and he tricked no one. They could find no fault in him. You see the struggle that Cyrus must have gone through. Same thing happens to many who hear the gospel. He had his daughter who was dying. 
He had his religion on which all his past and present stood and he had before him Jesus. He had before him Jesus. He had to choose. He had to put his faith in one and one alone. There was the unresistible force leading him to Christ Jesus. In spite of all the pressure, there was something within him that was leading him towards Christ to break all the barriers that stood in front of him. And Jesus had called the religious leaders blind guides, hypocrites, lovers of themselves. Perhaps one thing Cyrus was sure about was that he himself was a sinner and could not trust his own self. The other thing he was sure about was he could not trust any of the religious leaders. They were as miserable sinners and hypocrites like him. Jesus, with absolute authority, had said this on their face. You are hypocrites. Surely, Cyrus discussed about Jesus with his close associates and his relatives. And he must have told them that he trusts Jesus to be a Messiah. I, I want to take my dying daughter to Jesus. They must have cautioned him, even threatened him, and reminded him of the consequence of putting his faith in this God-man. Cyrus could not wait any longer. He had to go and worship the Lord of his life. He had to meet his Savior face to face. Nothing could stop him now. Death was closing on his home. His religion and tradition could not bring life. Life was ebbing away. The great teachers of religion in the temple and synagogue could not give him peace and rest for his soul. The religion that he was following could not fulfill the desire of his hungry, poor soul. Life was ebbing away. Suddenly, he must have realized that actually he had been living all his life without any real faith at all. Ask yourself, do you really have faith? Do you really have faith? Faith seemed to have just been born in his heart now. Has true faith, dear friends, been born in your heart? Is Jesus the answer to that faith for Cyrus? Jesus Christ was the answer. Yes. And so he went to find Jesus. And when Cyrus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Then he pleaded with Jesus to come to his house and to lay his hands on her. And he believed that his daughter would be healed and that she would live. And Jesus immediately began his journey towards Zyrus's 
house. Now, while the Lord Jesus Christ is on his way, we are told that Jesus heals a woman who was suffering from an issue of blood for 12 years. Now, if you look at, we will not go into that because we don't have the time, but if you look at verse 35, it informs us that after having healed the woman, Jesus continued to speak. Jesus continued to speak. Jesus was not in a hurry to go and heal Zairus's daughter. And then while he yet spoke, we are told that someone from Zairus's house came and informed Zairus that his daughter is already dead. His daughter is already dead. Don't trouble the master, this man told Zairus. Don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter is already dead. Imagine the blow, the pain that Zairus as a father must have felt for having his faith in Jesus. His immediate reaction must have been, O oh God, what have I done? I broke my religious traditions. I turned my back onto the leaders of my religion. They warned me. How will I face them? What a shame. How will I face them now? Has that happened to you, dear friends? After putting your faith in Jesus, some event took place that made you forget Jesus, turn away from Jesus, you became desperate, or some fear came upon you of losing something. What did you do at that time? Or what will you do if such a thing happens to you? That the very thing that you put your faith in, it didn't happen. But at that instant, the moment this messenger had uttered the word that Zairus' daughter was dead, the Lord Jesus Christ said to the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid. Be not afraid, only believe. Only believe. Zairus' daughter is dead. And Jesus tells Zairus, Be not afraid, only believe. What a time of testing. What a time of testing. Why did Jesus not hurry? to heal the dying girl. Why did not the Lord Jesus say to Zairus, Go, your faith has made your daughter well. He has said this before to others. Why did he not say to Zairus? Death is the ultimate enemy of every person born on this earth. Death is inevitable. The cause of death is sin. Sin brings death in every home, to everyone. This girl, even though Jesus will bring her to life, she will yet die again one day. So why did Jesus wait 
till this girl die and then raise this girl to life. It was obvious to show that there is life after death. There is life after death and to show that he is the resurrection and the life that he is the Lord of life. Look at verse 38 and 39. And he, that is Jesus, cometh to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and see the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he, came, when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel, that is the girl, is not dead, but sleepeth. This is how God looks at death. Death is to sleep. Paul describes the death of a Christian as a sleep. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Even though he's sleeping, dead, Jesus will bring him up. Every person died to wake up. It is a waking up from death that matters the most, dear friends. Because when a person wakes from the sleep of death, he or she will face the ultimate reality of their lives. It is at this moment of their lives they will be where they have, to where they have decided to be for the rest of their eternity. It is at this moment that they will either face the smiling face of God or the wrath of God. It is at this moment a person will enter into the joy of the Lord or into the misery of hell. Have you thought about this? How serious it is, dear friends? Life is not only to live here and that's, and that's what the atheists believe. But that's not true. When Jesus said that the girl is sleeping, the people laughed him to scorn. Verse 40. Now why did the people ridicule Jesus? This is because they took Jesus to be one like them or one of their religious leaders. This is what the whole wicked world is trying to prove right now that Jesus is and was nothing different than any other religious person. He was just an ordinary man. Yes, with great charisma and the like, but not as important as to have authority over us and judge us and tell us what to do and what not to do. Even those who claim to read the Bible they say, we want to understand God and make Him a supernatural being. But God commands and says, I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not have any gods before me. 
Now this is very plain as to what God is saying. But many who claim to be Christians say all gods are same. A person can go to God by worshipping any gods. Is God a liar? Is God of the Bible a liar? In this manner we deliberately distort the commands of God and laugh at God. Even we Christian, born-again Christian, should be careful about distorting the revelation of the Almighty and that is why we must separate ourselves as much as we can from being worldly. The more we get engaged in the lust of the world, the more we will remake our mind according to the world. We will begin to rebel against the commands of the Lord and we will then willingly begin to distort the commands of the Lord to suit our own selfish purpose. So Jesus put all such hecklers out. They are not given the privilege to see the miracle of life after death. Jesus takes the Father and the mother and his disciples and raises the dead girl to life. The Lord Jesus Christ only by his words raises the girl to life. Talita kumi, damsel, I say unto thee, arise, arise. The Lord Jesus Christ by raising the dead girl sent a powerful message of life after death. Jesus confirmed that there is life after death. Jesus by raising the dead girl was saying that the final word is his. I decide to give either life or to put a person to hell. The first death is not the end in itself. The horrific message is about the second death. The second death. The Bible talks about the second death. The second death will cast a person out of God's sight permanently where people will be tormented day and night forever. This is what the Lord Jesus is reminding us in and through this miracle. This is where Jesus uh, led Cyrus to show the ultimate reward of putting his trust in him. Be not afraid, Cyrus. Only believe. Your belief in me will not be in vain. The Lord Jesus showed Cyrus what God will do to him if he trusts in the Lord God Almighty. God will give him eternal life. Well, we who have believed in the Lord we must constantly look to our final goal. Our minds must constantly be preoccupied with the things to come, of returning home, our true home. We are on our pilgrimage, on our pilgrimage. As the Bible says, it is appointed once to die. After that, judgment. After that judgment, 
well, you know, people believe that you will be given many births and many deaths until you purify yourself. This, they say, may take millions of years. I'm talking about reincarnation. But there is no evidence, first of all, internally in our heart of such a belief, nor externally. This is man-made inventions, influenced by the father of lies, the devil. It is like the teaching of purgatory. The Word of God says, Lean not on your own understanding, trust in the Lord, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Well, let us end this service singing, My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary. But let us pray. O gracious Father, we give thee thanks, O Lord our God, for showing us the wonderful truths about the future and about our present life. O Lord our God, we pray that the faith that thou give to us may be like the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. O Lord our God, we pray that thou will deliver us from our sins, from our unrighteousness, from our unbelief. Help us, O Lord, to examine if we truly believe in Thee. We pray, Father, be gracious unto us and save us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.